The following podcast contains explicit language. Okay, wait. Did you know Richard was nominated for an Emmy? Holy shit. What for? Um, uh, uh, outstanding supporting actor in a limited series or a movie. Wow, he was up against Bo Murray? Yeah, I know. Nice. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, almost 18, Liz. That's me, Liz Krupp, also a TV writer and producer. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. So we recently discovered a podcast called Without Your Permission. The hosts are two former L.A. gang members, Richard Cabral and Jose Arellano. Their podcast is raw and honest and literally makes us cry. So we asked them to come on and talk to us about the less glamorous side of L.A. And then we're going to totally change gears with a cold and flu season Hollywood hack and a Pete's Coffee celebrity sighting. But first, there was a listener email we wanted to share. (laughs) Yes. Kathy wrote, Liz, I love your sister's books and the happier podcast the two of you do together. I also feel like I have a little connection to the two of you since I live in Kansas City. Yay. I'm just curious. I never hear you use bad language on the happier podcast. Bad language irritates me, and I wonder why you do use it on the Hollywood podcast. I am seriously wondering if you're able to do the podcast with Gretchen without any bad language— And because I'm imagining that your family growing up did not use bad language, why do you do it in Hollywood? I would enjoy your podcast with Sarah Moore if you did not curse. This is a great question. Yes. Why are we such potty mouths? (laughs) Yes. Well, first of all, Sarah, the funny thing is Uh we get a lot of emails and comments from people who say they like that I curse on this podcast. Yeah. Many more than we get of people saying they don't like that I curse. Right. I think people maybe feel like they can get to know you better on this podcast maybe than on the other one because you're more like relaxed or something maybe um the bad language yeah makes it seem like i'm being more authentic freewheeling liz you know even though it is true kathy's really correct that our family does not use bad language oh my god no um i do not curse in front of my parents except for on this podcast when they listen to this (laughs) podcast And it's very easy for me not to use bad language. I have no problem turning it off. But this is Hollywood. Right. And the language of Hollywood includes the word fuck. And a lot of other words. Very often. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And we did discuss this before we started this podcast. Yes, we did. It was a big topic of discussion about, you know, whether we were going to kind of break the cursing barrier or not. And we decided in episode one that it just would have been sort of not real, not honest, if we held back in that way. Yes. So this is our authentic Hollywood speak. (laughs) Actually, we would cuss a lot more if we were... Oh, yeah. Really being authentic. Right. That's true. And speaking of authentic, you are never going to meet two realer guys than Richard Cabral and Jose Arellano, the co-hosts of the new podcast, Without Your Permission. We'll talk to them right after this ad break. 
On their new and riveting podcast, Without Your Permission, Jose Arellano and Richard Cabral talk about their childhoods in East Los Angeles, their introduction to gang life, spending time in prison, and how they got out of the gang world, and their evolution as men and fathers. It is such an honor to have you guys here today. Thank you for coming. Thank you guys for having Welcome. us. Welcome. Thank so you so much pleasure. for coming. Okay, so we talk a lot on this podcast about telling your story mm. um, and how important it is to tell your story and own your story. Jose, in episode seven, which I just listened to, you talk about the importance of stories, and it made me bawl my eyes mm. out, as I so often do when listening <sighs> to your podcast. So can you tell us, both of you, your stories? So I grew up in a household that was, I guess, I mean, dysfunctional, you know, and not only dysfunctional, but there was a lot of alcohol abuse and drug abuse. So growing up, um, when I was probably like about nine or 10, so I didn't even know my mom was my mom until I was like nine or 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because my grandma was raising me up as, you know, like she was my mom and my grandpa. And so, but I looked up to her. So when I found out she was my mom, I was like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is cool. But as I got older, I started to see like things weren't, you know, as beautiful as I thought they were. So looking up to my mom, but then yearning for her love and attention because she was struggling. You know, my mom struggled. She had her own challenges. Um, She started doing uh, like PCP and she would smoke PCP cigarettes. And then from PCP, it went to like methamphetamine. And then um, that's when things began to get really hard, you know. So growing up, it was a culture to be it was to be a part of, of the neighborhood. We were all from the same gang. Like my family were all from the same gang. Um, and, and I didn't know who my father was. So growing up, I looked up to my mom and my uncles, you know, mm. as role models. So, of course, I wanted to I wanted to be from the hood at a young age. I wanted to be from the hood. But then I got older and I had a cousin that was just he, he like he knew, you know, that it was it was not the right choice to make. So. Mm. He would always tell me, like, no matter what happens, never get jumped into the hood. Mm. Like, no matter what. You know, I abided by that. But I, I, I yearned for his attention, too. He was a little older than me. And then one summer, like, right before I went to junior high, he got in. And oh, he didn't, wow. Yeah, he didn't tell me. He didn't say, like, hey, I'm going to—he didn't say I was considering it. Nothing. Mm-hmm. He just got in. I don't know. I just know that he had— his challenges were similar to mine. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up in a family with a culture that was, you know, it was gangs. It was a norm, though. It was mm-hmm. a norm. In this world, it was a norm. Yeah. So it's like, why didn't he get in? Yeah. Right. That's, exactly. right. that's really the question. Right. Why, why did it take him so long? Yeah, yeah. why did it take him so long? Right. Yeah. And so that's I think maybe we held on for as long as we could. Yeah. School was my escape. I used to get up in the morning. Nobody had to wake me up. I would get up and I would get myself ready and I made sure I went to school. And then um, I played the trumpet. I was in marching band. And so I was going from um, elementary school to middle school and I was in a program. It was called the GATE program, which was Gifted and Talented Education. But at the same time, there was nobody that was like, hey, Jose, like, I'm really proud of you, you know, or I'm going to come and watch you perform. I'm going to come and watch you march. There was none of that. Open house. I would go to open house and just kind of be on my own, you know, and just see yeah. friends like, what's up? You know, open house in school. Yeah. Anyway, I had a friend named Christian. And so I would always go to his house. His house was like an escape for me, too. And I love being at his house. But I would eat a lot as a kid. Like it was my comfort. And it still is. I, it still oh, is yeah. to this day, you know. But so I would go to his house and I would eat a lot of their food because they always had food in the refrigerator. And you guys didn't. And right? we didn't. You know, growing up, we didn't. And they had cable TV. And that, like, having cable TV was like, fuck. Like, you guys mm-hmm. are balling. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
So I would go over there, and um, they had like a kind of normal family. You know, he had a stepdad, he had a mom, he had a sister, and his dad worked. And it was like foreign to me, so I loved being around it. But the mom would always have to like shoo me home, like, Jose, it's, it's late. You know, it's time for you to go home. Like, you guys got school in the morning. Because I didn't have a curfew growing up. I didn't have nobody that was going to come looking for me. Like, where are you at, Jose? So one night, this is the summer right before junior high, I go to Christian's house, and I knock at the door. They come to the people, and then they don't open the door. So mm-hmm. I'm, like, knocking, like, hey, it's me, it's Jose. I go to the side window, I'm like, hey, it's Jose. And they turn off the living room light. And I didn't know it then what I felt, but I know it now. I was just like, fuck, like, they don't want me here, you know? Yeah. And and it just felt, I felt like shit, you know what I mean? My mom was already doing her thing. Um, my cousin was in the hood, and my house was just... It was what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I there we had a, there was a hill, and and I walked from Christians, and I walked to the top of the hill, and I remember just feeling lonely, like this is my life, like they don't even want me over there. Yeah, and you were a little boy. I, mean, I was a little. Were, I was yeah. twelve. Twelve. I was twelve years old, and um, I got to the top of the hill, and my other cousin, who was like sixteen, and my and, and one of my homeboys. He didn't say much, but my homeboy was like, "What's up?" You know, like, "Why are you so sad, homie?" We started talking, and I was like, I'm not sad. And he asked me a question that I had already, like, known to say no. Like, I, my response was always no. Mm-hmm. Like, my response was even to dodge the homies. Like, I would try to dodge the homies. But that night, I was just like, fuck it. You know what I mean? And he's like, hey, you want to get from the hood? And I was like, yeah, I'll get in the hood. And my cousin, I remember my cousin looking at me, like, wanting to say no. Mm-hmm. Like, looking at me going, like, you know, he just had this look in his eyes. And... uh and I didn't, I didn't, I was just like, you know what? Like, I want to do this. And we walked across the street and they jumped me. And, uh, you know, they jumped me, they put hands on me. And then after they were done beating me, they, they grabbed me and they hugged me, you know, and they embraced me. And I remember uh, my cousin ran into the house and he had a great pair of Ben Davis. And he, and he brought those pants to me. He's like, here, primo, like, you can wear these. And I put them on right there, and they were big on me, mm-hmm. and they were permanently creased. Remember yeah, the yeah, permanent? The stitched, the stitched they, were stitched. they were stitched. Because we used to really, like, starch our pants up right, back then, yeah. and these pants were permanently creased. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I put them on, and when he see me with them on, he was like, hey, you know what, cousin? Like, you can have those pants. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for real? Like, I can have these? He's like, you can have those pants. And I was just like, I just felt like... Cloud nine. I felt I felt like loved. Right. I was just like, damn, I can have these. And he's like, you can have them, cousin. I say all that to say that I didn't know what it was going to be. Right. I didn't know that that decision was going to change the course of my life, mm-hmm. which it did. And I didn't know what to expect. So like eight months after that, my cousin was murdered, you know. Oh. And that's when life was just like, you know, you, you this is real. But life began to move. And uh, I got caught up in the gang life, you know, and I started going to the system at 15. I went to juvenile hall, in and out of the system, in and out of the system. But the last term that I did, it was a six-year term. I was fighting life in prison. I was 22 years old. My relationship with my mother was just like, there was no relationship. It was, she would be getting high and the homies would tell me like, hey, your mom's over here getting high. And I would tell them, I don't have a mom, you know. And I thought that I was okay with that. So... I get to prison, and uh, and then my mom dies. And I had thought that I was okay with everything. By this time, I had lied to myself so much. 
and I had decorated my character, you know, and my character was so tough that mm. um, I thought I didn't care about nothing. And that's when I started to, like, cry out to God, like, help me, you know, like, I don't want to be here. I started to think about my life and think about when I was a kid and things that I had wanted. And, and I really just wanted to have a family. Mm. Do you guys remember Steve Urkel? Yeah, Family Matters. Family Matters. So when I was a little kid, I used to sit and watch Family Matters. And I'd be like, I wish I had a dad like that, mm. a mom like that. And now I'm in, my, I'm in my 20s. I'm in prison. I'm in the hole because I'm trying to like get, I'm like, I'm in the hole because I'm trying to run from everything. Mm. And I started to think about that show, Family Matters. And I was just like, fuck, like, that's all I ever wanted. I mm. wanted that. And now I have this. And now I'm in prison and... And I'm living this life. And this life was just miserable. I had to get real with myself and go, like, is this what I really wanted to do? And it wasn't. So I get out. I say all that to say because that was, like, the, my turning point. Mm -hmm. That was, like, my, my lowest moment in life. And then um, I hear about Father Greg. I and that's hearing. Homeboy, homeboy Industries, that's homeboy Industries. Which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great program in L.A. that helps gang members Get out of change their life, right? and like yeah. it's like an exit ramp off the freeway. It's like a freeway that's just crazy. That's a great metaphor. And I hear about him, and I don't believe the stories I hear because it's just like priests like helping homies and taking them to school, and it's like a movie. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, all right. Uh -huh. yeah. Like, okay, uh -huh. sure. Yeah, yeah. You need to be on meds, homie, because I never seen a, a priest like that, you know. And I would make fun of the homie that would tell me stories. But he was still telling me, you know, and he was from East L.A. and he grew up with Father Gray. When I got out, my father-in-law told me about homeboys. And he's like, you should just call down there. And I'm like, you know what? I, I wanted a different life. And I'm just like, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to change my life, but I knew that I wanted to change. And it was hard in the beginning. I had relapses. But then I finally, like, I just kept, I didn't give up and homeboys didn't give up on me. And eventually, I mean, I'm here now. And I and I have and now you have a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, uh, I and mean, now you work at Homeboy as a navigator, yeah. helping and, other people in your position. Exactly, right? Which is just amazing. I have a life beyond my wildest yeah. dreams. Mm -hmm. That is a powerful story. Yeah, yeah. 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 I hope I didn't keep oh you guys hostage. Yeah. And Richard, I mean, yeah. you're an actor now. You're a working, you know, Hollywood actor, but right. you have your story. Is it similar? It's very to similar. Jose's? It's like the thousands of thousands of gang members um, from these big cities and even from these small cities, they're all similar, you know, mm -hmm. and there might be like little twists here and there, but I think Father Greg has these like key these key statements, these key phrases, it's like a hopeful child does not become a gang member. Right. And it's mm -hmm. that type of stuff, these broken men and women, you know, and um, it's all twisted up a little bit different, but at the end of it, that's really what it is. You know, you grow up into these communities that are um, saturated with gang members and drugs and violence and these broken kids are in it and you're just born in it. And yeah, this is a, the, people that don't know this lifestyle and don't know this community on a personal level, they say, well, what about the people that didn't? You're right. There is people that don't. But the majority, mm -hmm. but the majority get get tainted by this. And it, it comes out in negative ways. And not all people become gang members. You're right. But some people become drug addicts. Right. Some people become alcoholics. Some people become um like um 
they have sex with multiple people. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to fill those holes, find, trying to fill that hurt, you know. But a lot of these kids in these communities end up becoming gang members. And, th- and that's how it was with me, too. So it's not like you're joining because you want to commit crime. No, you're joining yeah. because no, you want to be loved. You want to have yeah, be safe. Yeah, you want that. Yeah. Who doesn't want yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that's Who doesn't big. want no, that? I, I always like when you say that. Because you, I think about like belonging to something, right? Like yeah. Boy Scouts. I don't know what Boy Scouts. Nah, we don't know what that is. Yeah. You know, or hearing about like little teams. Yeah. And stuff, book or clubs. People going camping. Yeah. Or, I can't. I don't, we don't know that. It was we like, don't know that. It wasn't know, there. And it wasn't. So, and then when you do find something like what we found, it in the beginning it's this embrace that you just can't compare to anything else. Yeah. You're just like, after just just imagine like being a little kid going, somebody's gonna save me, like somebody's gonna like this shit can't be right. Because even as we were kids, I mean, you, I'm sure that you thought it was wrong, right? Like right, growing up, you're sure, like, this is sure. not right. Fuck, you know, like, this yeah. shit hurts. And then going like, someone's going to come and help with electricity. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody's going to help us, you know? And then that shit never happening. And then finding homies that are like, hey, we got you, you know? And then feeling that warm embrace for the yeah. first time ever. You're just like, fuck. It was beyond words. Yeah. It was beyond words. Yeah. And then, and but <sighs> then also realizing like, when you start seeing stuff happen, you're like, what the fuck did I get myself into? But it, right. it, it becomes a norm. It's a norm, though, you know, because yeah. all my friends, we all became like gang members, like all of my friends. So it, it, it was really that. But like you understanding and you're having to make the decisions, you know, because you're not going to be that one that nothing happens. You know, this is high school. This is when things are going to change. This was when I'm going to be become something. And um, and that was it. 13 years old, you know, really getting engaged and then just just being on the streets, you know, and like you, you learn at a very young age that these streets like people are getting hurt out here can we talk about the title of your podcast okay without your permission yes without or your permission yes. you have to that, say it I cannot say do it, it again. justice without your permission yeah and what that means to you um, so I um I was thinking about it a long time and um when I when I knew I wanted to do this podcast and I knew that I wanted to have Jose with me, I didn't know, like, I can't really, like, articulate why. But uh, I was thinking, 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 thinking. And then it was it was like that. Without your permission, that means that, like, because we've asked people for their permission for everything since we were children, you know. And uh-huh. um, we're not, like, these enlightened yogi, uh, you know, that are just in tune like that. But we believe that we know we're good people, you know, and we're good fathers and we're good sons now, you know, and we're good um, teachers like that. So. So we're not going to ask anybody like if it's okay, you know, because frankly, when we ask people all of our life, it fucked us up. You know, it wasn't the right decision. So, you know, what? fuck all that. Like, no, we're going to. And it's that. And like it took us a long time to get to where we're at. This is years of of, of positive work that we're at. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we sort of talk about is. Right now in this world, Mm. there's a little bit of a lack of empathy. There are a lot of divisions, a lot of barriers between Mm. people. You guys talk about how pain is the great equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little and and why it's so important to just connect with people on that level? Like, because it really does, listening to you, I feel like we're literally making the world a better place, not to overstate, just understanding that we're all the same people we all have the same pain and you talk about that a lot as well on your podcast i think like well so first and foremost our stories like our experiences shape us like as people whether those experiences be like you had money growing up or you Mm -hmm. didn't have money growing up 
Our experiences shape us. This is what I believe. And so our stories are very important because when we know our stories, then we know exactly like what experiences shaped us the most. And so when we understand our own wounds or the things that we carry, then it's kind of hard for us to judge the wounded. Mm. Mm. You know, like for me, if I keep my wounds always close by and I know like, oh, that's there, like that hurt me and I react it and I acted a certain way because of these wounds, then it's kind of hard for me to judge somebody that's wounded. Even if that wound looks completely different from mine, yeah. even if that wound is like the, the person is creating separation, it's still hard for me because I know my wounds and my experiences shape me. It's, so it's, it's hard for me to judge that person. But how do we find a way, I think, to like create community is by sharing our stories and also like, you know, accepting somebody else's story for what right, it is, right. but creating a space where people can share their truest selves. Yeah, yeah. And that's taking the mask off for no, me. No judgment. No, no judgment. judgment in that but that's also space. being yeah. true, too. Like we talked about, yeah. it's like you got to take the mask off. Right. It's hard to be in a conversation with someone that's their character is the one that you're talking to. And I think my philosophy of this was because I kind of came back to Homeboys and I came back and it happened to be Jose was like the guy that I would run with, you know, and it comes back to acting. For me, it would come back because when you're on that stage to allow for your audience heart to open, you must open your heart. And like, yeah, I'm on film and television, but theater is my thing because in that theater, in that room, in that sacred stage, like they're not going to believe you if you're lying. Like, it's okay. And I believe that you're able to heal people before you know it. They're crying with you because they understand your pain. They understand what it is to be a broken child or what it is to want to belong or what it is to want your mother and she's not there. Who can't understand that? And I believe that really shaped my thoughts in presenting everything I do. Because what good is if a person is talking about um, he went to Stanford. I'm not knocking colleges or universities, but the most riveting people, when you hear them speak, they don't speak from the mind. They speak from the heart. Mm, Yeah. We try to be open and vulnerable on this podcast, but we don't even scratch the surface compared to you guys. I mean, I think what you're doing is so incredible and you have guests on and you hear their stories and it just it creates this understanding, you know, among people, which is what we need. So I think everyone needs to listen to without your Permission. Because there's good. also a lot of levity in your podcast. Yes. You guys yeah. are hilarious. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You make us cry and you make us laugh. Yeah. So and, because, and we know the power of these stories because it's yeah. not all drama. It's not all I, I, like. Right. And it's like this, like when warriors are out there, we believe we're in a warrior society like that. Like you're not over here like, who's the next guy I should kill? Like you're not thinking about that all day. Like you right. guys are laughing and like just like. You're getting so, by. Yeah, you're getting like, by. And, you have to, and, and we, we say, we just said this this weekend, that laughter is medicine. Yeah. yeah. Laughter is medicine. Yeah, you know, and, Exactly. Yeah, even if people don't really understand it. But we still but laugh. It's still yeah, exactly. At least we'll laugh. You know, we share we'll a get lot a good of, laugh. You share a lot of pain, but you also share a lot of healing and a lot of hilarities. So. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for being here. And we will link to your podcast. And we will also link to Homeboy Industries, which is how we all met. We have a friend in common. My friend Alexa Alexa works at Homeboy. Amazing person. Um, It's a great organization. Yeah. Get involved in Jose's there Monday through Friday. So if you want to come through, get a tour or. Get, or I'll know. juggle for you. I'll do some <laughs> backflips. I mean, whatever. Just come see me. And of course, you can people. see uh, Richard on the right. upcoming on the Mayans. On the Mayans, Kurt Sutter's, Kurt Sutter's um, upcoming show. Yeah. yeah, spinoff of Sons of Anarchy, and that'll be on yeah. FX. And I have work on Netflix right now on American Crime, three seasons. Um, so if you want to see that, also excellent. Oh, American Crime. Yeah, yeah great show. I came out in a movie once. <laughs> it was a small part, but it was still. 
It's actually, I, I, I mean, the movie, <laughs> the movie is kind of like, well, the movie's called I Am Gangster. I had like a two minute scene. It was kind of cheesy. Right. It was kind of cheesy, but watch Jose it. Act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see me act. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Thank guys. You guys. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. You can follow them on Instagram. Jose is at Jose Arellano Official. And Richard is at Richard Cabral Official. And you can also follow their podcast at Without Your Permission. And we will link to all of that on our website. Okay, now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. This is a hack I have never and will (laughs) never use because I think it is disgusting. This is a hack that I love and use every time I get sick. The neti pot. (laughs) So if you don't know what a neti pot is, it looks like a little teapot and you put a saline solution in it and you lean over a sink and you pour it into your sinuses and like in one nostril and out the other nostril comes all the stuff that is causing you sinus (laughs) You should see Liz's face right now. <laughs> I this you know I have a vasovagal reaction oh, no. to things like oh god when I someone starts trying to draw my blood I right you I faint. faint. <laughs> I have that's the reaction I have to the neti pot. Okay, it, so it, you should not. I have do like it. tunnel vision right now. Oh god. Okay, but if you have a cold, if you have chronic sinus problems, I don't know if Liz is going to make it through this segment. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Um, It really is a great thing. My Swedish boyfriend recommended it to me when I um, lived in Sweden for a summer when we were in high school, and I thought it was just totally repulsive and would not do it. But now that I'm an adult and don't have a vasovagal thing... I tried it. I think they're so amazing. I told my dad to do it because he has chronic sinus problems. So I fully believe in the neti pot and think it's an, a wonderful, amazing thing. Well, it's not for me, but I'm glad that this brings you um, joy in your life. And so, relief. Godspeed. Relief from sinus pain. Okay, Liz, before we say goodbye, it's time for this week's Celebrity Sighting. And I have to preface this by saying what a huge fan I was of 90210, Beverly Hills 90210, the original, the one that was in the 90s. (laughs) It swept through Columbia, where I went to school, like wildfire. There was even um, a column that my friend Karen Schwartz wrote with Jessica Shaw called Beverly Hills Unzipped, where they, you know— had a column about Beverly Hills 90210. I mean, it was kind of the first thing of that type. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. So for those who don't know, that was Shannon Doherty, Jenny Garth, Jason Priestley, and our celebrity sighting this week. Luke Perry. Oh, my Dylan God. Dylan McKay, the hot one. <laughs> we were sitting in Pete's Coffee downstairs from where we record this podcast. And in walks. I mean, you've wanted to see Luke Perry probably from the moment you moved to L.A. Oh, yeah. He's huge for me. This was an uh, an ambition, like a legitimate ambition. I really want to cast him. Yeah. But, you know. We have to find the right part. Yeah. We've never had the perfect Luke Perry part. No. And, and he's, he's taken. Uh, he's on something already. Oh, that's right. He's on Riverdale now. Yeah. Which is another popular teen show. So I guess that's fitting. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes, yeah, Sarah, we were in Pete's and you looked up and you were like, is that Luke Perry? And sure enough, it was him. Then we heard him talking, yeah. the Dylan McKay voice. Um, that was a fun sighting. So congratulations, Liz, on on seeing the real Dylan McKay. Yes. 
And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps listeners find us. And thank you so much to Richard Cabral and Jose Arellano for stopping by the studio. Listen to their podcast without your permission. Thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fame. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fane. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Ariano. Ariano. Okay. Ariano. Yeah, can't roll her R's, Ariano. Ariano. Why you can say Ariano then. Ariano. Okay. Ariano. Okay. Ariano. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Here we go.